Hi, it's Dan Forshaw here from Methodist Central Hall, Westminster. I'm here in Parliament Square. We're taking the podcast outside of the building today. And I'm making the short trip from our building over to Portcullis House, which sits opposite the Palace of Westminster, which itself is currently covered in a huge amount of scaffolding. I'm off to interview Cat Smith MP, who is the Member of Parliament for my hometown of Fleetwood. She also covers a very small place called Lancaster that some of you might have heard of. Cat is also a member of the Methodist Parliamentary Fellowship and has very kindly agreed, despite this being one of those, well, yet another another amazingly busy week in Westminster has agreed to sit down with us for 10 minutes and just take part in our podcast. We have to apologise that the podcast hasn't been out for the last few weeks, things have been rather, rather busy, uh, but we've got plenty of episodes on the way for you. So Kat, thank you so much for agreeing to meet us for the Methodist Central Hall podcast, we're so, so pleased that you've given up time in what is quite a busy week this week, or maybe not, we don't know, everything's so, so fluid at the moment, isn't it? I think we don't really know what's going on in Westminster, Dan, day to day, it's uh, you turn up and you sort of find out what's happening. Sounds like my job most days of the week, to be honest. (laughs) It's like a lot of jobs, actually. I think there's probably a lot of people that can relate to that. Yeah. So just very, very briefly, can you just sort of explain your journey of how uh, a girl from Barrow becomes an MP here down in Westminster representing a nearby constituency, you know, a nearby constituency from where you grew up? What was your journey? Why did you want to become an MP? Well, you've sort of started me off in in Barrow, Barrow and Furness, which was the town where I was born and brought up. Um... And I was brought up by my mum and dad. Um, and in many ways, they still bring me up. Um, in the relationship that never ends. Um, my mum uh, was active in the Methodist church and made sure that me and my sisters used to go along uh, to Sunday school, um, originally at Ruse Methodist. And um, my dad is probably very to say was more Marxist than Methodist. <laughs> he was very active in, the, in things like the Trades Council and the, the local Labour Party. So a kind of combination of, of Methodism and Marxism sort of wrapped around me growing up in terms of informing my values and what um, my parents encouraged me to take seriously. So it probably came as no surprise to them when I decided um, upon discovering about fair trade that that was my campaign, so that was what I got really involved with as a teenager, um, putting pressure on local shops to stop fair trade produce. I ran for tuck shop officer at the local sixth-old college just so that I could control uh, the produce that we were selling. Unfortunately, I didn't get elected, although it was probably a fortunate thing because it was quite a big time-consuming role. But I was always looking at ways in which I could do things that would um, result in more fair trade products um, available and encouraging people to buy them because I knew the, the difference it would make globally and the values that I'd had instilled uh, from both my mum and my dad probably told me that this was the right thing to do. And I, it sounds like a little thing, but it was the start of something probably much bigger. And it wasn't until I went away to university, I went to Lancaster University, um, that I probably got involved in what you might call more more formalised politics. So uh, I joined the Labour Party uh, at the beginning of my second year at university. In the first year at university, I'd been very involved in the feminist society and met people who were involved in this Labour Club group on campus. And I thought, oh, you know, get on with these guys. They're, they're pretty, pretty much like me. So I, I got involved and knocked some doors, delivered some leaflets. One thing led to another, and uh, I was skimming over a few bits. I mean, I ended up as the Member of Parliament for Lancaster and Fleetwood. I was elected in 2015 at the general election um, for the Labour Party. You mentioned that you, your father's... Um influence and your mother's influence and how they came together. I mean, one of the 
often quotes about the Labour Party is that it owes more to Methodism than it does to Marx. Yeah, I love that Although quote. I'm waiting for the Shadow Chancellor to throw a copy of Wesley's journal across the dispatch box. Would somewhere. you like me to pass that out? <laughs> I'm going to Shadow Cabinet in the morning, so uh, we'll I'll... See, we'll see if it has I'll the same feed that, I'll feed that one in. What do you feel that Methodism has to bring to kind of politics? What is it that, that sort of, that in terms of, you know, these, these ordinary people within Methodism, that have, we have such a strong tradition... Uh, one of my colleagues said, of ordinary people getting involved, like yourself, getting standing up and getting involved in politics to make that difference. I wonder what is it about Methodism that you feel has that? I can only speak of my own experiences, and certainly the Methodist churches that I've uh, been a member of over the years have all been very outward-looking. Um, whilst it's important to go along on a Sunday and uh, for your own spiritual well-being, but um, the actual work of, of God that I've always been encouraged to partake in has been outward looking so whether or not um, that's whether you know making sure that we've got regular donations going to the local food bank or whether or not that's campaigning in the Jubilee 2000 drop the debt campaign or campaigning for fair trade status and dressing as bananas and making it right for yourself but actually drawing attention to an important issue it's always been about looking globally and looking at how you can work locally in order to make the world Globally, a, a fair and more equal place that you know, and basically acting out in that spirit. You're involved in the shadow cabinet. You know, you're in the shadow cabinet, I should say. And one of your roles is voter engagement, particularly focusing, I believe, on on younger people. Now, one of the things that's happened in the Labour Party over the last two or three years, undisputably, is the way it is engaged with younger people, and it's something that, on the whole, when we look at demographics within the church, especially within the Methodist Church in Britain, is something we've struggled with. And I wondered what, what sort of lessons you feel that, that Methodism could learn from how the Labour Party is, is engaged with younger people. What is it that's making these younger people take one of the values? Because it, I think some of the values you're sharing there amongst Fair Trade do resonate with younger people. I think uh, you're probably fair in saying that sometimes going along to, to a Methodist church on a Sunday morning feels probably a lot like it used to feel like going along to a Labour Party meeting in terms of the demographics of the room. But then actually, to be fair, the, the church that I attend in Lancaster has actually got a really strong youth presence. And um, some of that's about leadership and about making sure you're speaking about things that are relevant to people's lives. Because if your church is only ever speaking to a certain demographic, then other demographics won't ever feel welcome. And you can apply that to, not just to youth, but to, to other groups that might feel pushed out and marginalised within the church. Um, but about being inclusive and not being afraid to to talk about difficult issues as well. Um, I think sometimes people, especially younger people, will look at the church and they will view the church as all churches. I don't think they distinguish between Methodist, Baptist, um, USC, Church of England, whatever. They, they just see the church. And they see it as, as outdated and not relevant to their lives. And actually, I think um, if you can get, an, get a hearing with, with someone, you can explain why that's not the case. But then you have to start where they are. Mm-hmm. And do you believe that's what the Labour Party has done in the yeah, last few years? Yeah, I think years? when I remember, you know, I, I nominated Jeremy Corbyn to be Labour leader and was involved in the campaign when it seemed like, you know, getting him on the ballot paper was the challenge. Um but Jeremy is always um, listened to, not spoken to. He's listened to young people. His constituency is very young. You know, it's North London constituency, with, which is very transient, very young. He's, he's identified the issues that were affecting younger voters around sort of security of housing, and managed to prioritise that in his campaign in a way that actually people thought, oh, hang on a minute, that's me. 
Mm-hmm. Finally, there's someone who's addressing the issue that, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sick and tired of being in my late 20s, early 30s, living in a house share, no hope of housing security. And here's a politician who's actually addressing that and talking about me. Now, it's a risky strategy, um, and there were many of the people that warned against um, us at the general election in 2017 about putting in much effort into young people. Uh, because we did, as a Labour Party, in the snap general election, put a lot of resources into encouraging young people to vote. And it was seen as a, by some as a reckless throwing away of money because, quote-unquote, young people don't vote. We took a gamble that they would. Um, we made sure that the policy offer was one that, that you know, spoke to a generation that feel very cut out from politics, but um, it paid off. Politics isn't just about Westminster and the House of Commons. Politics is about, and you talk about Fleetwood, it's, it's about Wireborough Council and yeah. Lancashire County Council and the decisions they make on the people in the town of Fleetwood, yeah. as it is about what Cat Smith MP does in the yeah. House of Commons. But well, they're not often queries that all politics is local. Absolutely. And, and you know People what? need to stand up and, and it's uh, true. go for that. It's yeah. true, and you know, people will contact me as as the local MP. Yes, about Brexit and things like that. Actually, I am a decision maker on, but they'll also contact me when the bin's not being collected or when that pothole on that street has just been there for months and months and months, and they feel like nobody is doing anything mm. about it, and it's blighting their lives, and they've just got a flat tire, and they're really peed off. Yeah, you know, they'll contact their MP, yeah. and it matters, and it is important. And at that precise moment, it is the most important thing to that person because they've emailed their MP about it. And it's not my job to fix that pothole or to collect their bin. But I do have a responsibility then to put pressure on the people whose job it is Mm -hmm. to get it done. Finally, and we're talking at the moment, who knows what's going to happen within the next 24 hours, let alone... How quickly uh, can you get this podcast up? Because (laughs) uh, by the time you get it up, it might be history. Completely outdated. (laughs) But this, this one, and and... Everything is feels so fluid at the moment. But given the events of the past three years, let alone kind of three weeks or three days, and being... A, I'll still, you're still a young woman to me because you, oh, you're, you're, you're a younger than my younger sister, so there you go. So you have to be kind right. of... Right. Still, still you're young. very kind. With, I don't feel young anymore. <laughs> I, feel, I feel a lot older than I was done this job for a few years. Oh, you I'm know. sure, I'm sure. But what... What gives you hope for the future? There must be something that gives you some hope for the future in terms of this place, in terms of Westminster, in terms of politics, even in terms of what happens after all this is over. What gives you hope for that? What are you looking forward to and what do you feel? What gives you that hope to look forward to in here? I fundamentally believe that every MP, regardless of what political party they are from, got involved in politics because they wanted to make the world a better place. Now, the plans we all have for implementing this vary, hence we have different political parties. But I do fundamentally believe that nobody gets involved in politics because they don't want the world to be a better place. And that gives me hope. Brilliant. Kat, thank you so much for coming along and being part of our podcast. We really appreciate your time, especially given the business that you have every week, but especially of all weeks this month. So thank you very much. Thank you. Well, that's great. I'll get it edited. That's a very down. different kind of podcast than what I'd normally end up doing, I'll be honest. <laughs> And that's the end of this episode of the podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Please do uh, subscribe, even rate us on iTunes if you can. It makes a difference to how these podcasts will be discovered. I'd like to say a big thank you to Kat Smith and her team over in Parliament. It was really, really generous of them to give her time at what is an incredibly busy week in the Brexit process. Probably one of the busiest weeks ever in Parliament in the post-war period. Just one last thing I want to leave you with. As I was walking over to Portcullis House, just a short five-minute walk from our building, 
There was some demonstrators on both sides of the Brexit divide, and it wasn't a particularly pleasant thing to witness, some of the insults that were being hurled by both sides. And I ask you to keep all our MPs, especially Kat and her team, in your prayers. It's not a particularly easy environment for them to work in right now, and they are agonising and really thinking hard about how to make the right decisions for the country at large. So please do think of them in your prayers. Please do remember to hold our leaders in your prayers as we enter what is going to be a very interesting and perhaps difficult few months so there you go lots of more to come on our methodist central hall westminster podcast we have uh, interviews lined up with lots and lots of different people from across methodism and much further afield so I do ask you to keep subscribing keep telling us what you'd like to hear in this podcast and we hope to uh, hear from you next week so thank you very much for listening goodbye ah.